It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Whatever struggle you may be having with sin right now, the cleansing blood of Jesus is more powerful. I've been struggling with making good things ultimate things. That's idolatry. That's trying to find my meaning, my purpose, my satisfaction, my fulfillment, the sense that I'm a good person apart from Jesus. Mm -hmm. Idolatry. That's no small thing. And I felt this need to uproot these idols in my heart because I want to love Jesus above all. So I confess and repent. I confess and repent, but I can't uproot the idols. I don't have the power, but Jesus does. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14. Listen to this. The blood of goats and bulls sprinkled on those who are ritually unclean. Cleanse them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? That is gold. Mm -hmm. In other words... Let me just break it down. Religion makes us clean on the outside, but Jesus' blood cleanses us inside mm. out. It's a power cleansing. <laughs> it's power yeah. washing on the inside. It is. Yeah. I mean, there's, it, it, you know, religion is just going through the motions and um, surface level kind of, <laughs> and meeting with Jesus and, and, letting yourself be known to him, you know, the intimacy of being honest with him about the stuff that's in your life that we don't want other people to know about. I love in scripture, this was a few years ago that I just took a, a dive into understanding, you know, that Jesus died for our sins and our iniquities. So I was like, I never knew what that word iniquities meant. It just kind of rolled off my tongue and I just understood it to be Jesus died for our sins. Well, sins are the things that we do that we commit against God. But iniquities is the the part of us that even wants to do something that would oppose God. Yeah. It's like the poison that's in us, the yeah. poison of sin. Yeah. So so this, what we're talking about, the cleansing from the inside out mm. is like, it's not just about the things that you've done against God being taken care of. It's from the inside out, even the place inside of us that desires to go our own way and do our own thing. Jesus what he did, the work he did on the cross, cleansed us of that as well. And I think, you know, confessing our sins one to another can be really powerful, but it can also be a ritual. Really, anything of faith can then become a ritual. Mm -hmm. So then it's not faith. When my dad was a teenager, he would go to confession. And one time he was in confession and he looked at this cross this cross, this crucifix that was inside the confessional booth. And there were all these lipstick marks on it. And God brought to his mind a, a scripture and he must've heard it somewhere along the way. And the scripture was, these people love me with their lips, mm. but their hearts are far from me. That's religion. Mm -hmm. It's outside in. I can't uproot the deep sin in my heart. I can confess and repent of my sins for a thousand years and still not be free if I'm not trusting in the blood of Jesus. Because for me, confession and repentance 
can become just an outward ritual. If I'm looking to the confession and the repentance for my cleansing, it's not there. Mm. It's a pathway to cleansing. The cleansing is in the blood of Jesus. So I just find it helpful to really focus on there's power. There's wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus to change me. Everything that Jesus did for us, all the provisions that God made for us is so that we could be reconciled in relationship to him. It's it's for the purpose of relationship. So rituals aren't bad, but rituals for the sake of ritual is so empty. Like right. ritual for the sake of relationship, the things that we do that, you know, if it's feeling rote to you, if going to church on Sunday morning is feeling like an obligation, it's feeling rote to you, how do we engage in the relationship because we've probably separated, I'm guessing, if it feels cold, it's because we've separated the relationship, love relationship with God from the ritual. Yeah. Holy Spirit, stir up a hunger in us. Yes. Holy Spirit, take me back to my first love, the Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, do that wonder-working change in me to cause me to be free from my idols. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood power in the blood. Would you over evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. I'm curious this morning how walking with God has changed you. You know, Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we're meant to be And we are changed by God as we walk with him through time. And I'm not talking about just our testimony of, man, before I met Jesus, I was whatever, I was partying hard, whatever the the case was there. And then I gave my life to Jesus and, and this change. But as we walk with him, he changes us and shapes our hearts and renews our minds. And, and so we look different over time, maybe different from a year ago or from five years ago or from last month. But I'd love to hear from you this morning. How has walking with God changed you? I've been pretty open and honest about my testimony, and I've wrestled with anxiety for most of my life, and it's looked different in different seasons of life. But I would say back in the 20s was probably like the worst of it when I was in my 20s. I would go to bed every night and I would lay in bed at night and I'd think through what happened throughout my day and just beat myself up over, oh, you should, you look so stupid when you said this, or you shouldn't have done that. And, you know, things that I missed that I should have done just, it was like self abuse. And that was how I ended every single day. And I heard about a year ago, I heard, I heard a brain surgeon and spinal cord surgeon talking about how our brain works. And he said that our brain doesn't stop when we go to sleep at night. It loops So whatever your last conscious thought was, will just continue and your brain will loop on that thought throughout the night. And if you, if it's a negative thought, then all the chemicals that get released from that negative thought get released to your brain on, from your brain on loop all night long. But if it's a positive thought, then all those positive chemicals get released all night long. And so what I was doing by just beating myself up at the, the last moments of the day was creating my anxiety problem, honestly, because my brain was just looping those thoughts and sending all that negative junk into my body all through the night. And then I wake up thinking that it's just so not helpful. But fast forward to today, 
I'm a big fan of Lectio 365. I've shared about it quite a bit. And I start the day with morning prayers and I end the day with the nighttime prayers on this. It's a free app called Lectio 365. And so last thing I do, I'm in bed, you know, got my jammies on. I'm ready to go to sleep. Lights are out. Last thing I do before I take off my glasses is start the the app and start the nighttime prayers. And sometimes I don't even make it through all of the prayers. I fall asleep before it ends. But the last thought of the day is the places where I saw God show up in my day today, where I, ex- I heard from him, I experienced his goodness, just reflecting on those things. I do take some time to think about where I sinned throughout the day and to apologize for that, confess it. And, and then I let the love of Christ just wash over me, being reminded that I'm forgiven of those things. And it's just, I receive the the peace of Christ, the the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the love of the Father every night going to sleep. I'm curious, you know, in your 20s, you were beating yourself up at the end of the day, and now you don't. How did you start to emerge out of that? I know it's been a process, mm-hmm. but how did you begin to make your way out of that slimy <laughs> quicksand? Yeah. Well, Mary Magdalene in The Chosen, she says, you know, I was one way, now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him, is her testimony of of being changed by Jesus. And mine is the same, but if I were to break down the him part, it's it was regularly being in God's word and letting God's thoughts enter into my brain, change the way that I think, which changed the way that I live. And it wasn't an overnight. I wish it was. I wish there was like an easy button. <laughs> like, I don't know, is that Staples that has the easy button? <laughs> I wish there was an easy button for being transformed in my life. It There hasn't been. It, it's been a longer journey. It hasn't been a quick instantaneous thing, but it's been in regularly um, exposing my mind to the truth in God's word. That's what made the difference. So how about you? How are you different? Like Paul, I just urge you in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, be changed, be different by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I urge you to get into God's word. That's the thing that has changed me, and I know it'll change you to just hear from God and let him change you from the inside out. And if you're feeling stuck right now, I just want to share with you a a prayer that I think might be helpful. And I'm going to use the words I as I read this prayer, but you can make it your own. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take responsibility for my own mind. I take authority over my thoughts, feelings, meditations, and imagination. I own the thoughts and images that I allow to play on the screen of my mind. Satan cannot force me to think, feel, or meditate on anything that I refuse to permit. My mind is a gift from God, and I choose to fill it with thoughts that will draw me into the life that God has planned. Yeah. And you mentioned Lectio 365. Mm -hmm. To get into God's Word, you should get that app because it's like, I don't know, it's 10 minutes in the morning and it's about eight minutes at night. Yep. And it's just packed with Scripture. Yeah. And when our minds are rooted in the truth, our lives will be rooted in transformation. As we think like Jesus, we're going to start to act like Jesus. Our lives are going to be marked by hope and joy and wisdom and love and forgiveness and peace. And 
and our lives ultimately will be holy and pleasing to God. So if we change our minds, we really can change our lives. And if we change our lives, God can change the world through us. want to keep it honest with you, not a Christian superhero. I'm not a Bible black belt. I've always struggled with pride, striving to be better than the next person, needing to win, thinking I'm better, thinking I know best. You know, that's the dark side in me. But in this last season, it's been like the spotlight has been put on my pride and just how deeply rooted it is in me. What I long for is true humility But it's like the more I long for it, the more I see my pride. Mm. But thank you for God's word. Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, among many other passages, is giving me hope. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So much in there. God is telling me in his word that as I admit my pride to him, he's going to go to the root and he's cleansing me as he goes to the root. There's this hope I have of being continually washed clean That's what God says. And this passage also reminds me that God has given me a new heart, that he's removed my heart of stone and has given me a heart to listen to him. And the evidence of the soft heart, I think, is this awareness of the deep down pride in me and my desire for change. We need that awareness in order to change. Mm -hmm. Then I need to know I can't change myself. But the Lord can. Yeah. I think a piece of the awareness, this is so important to growing in our relationship with the Lord and to being changed by him, is that, you know, we don't want to look at the stuff that's not pleasant about us. And so when you when we don't take a good look, I, I'm just guessing, you know, when you first, when pride kind of first showed up on the radar, it was like, oh, I might, you know, need to spend some time looking at that, you know. A slight awareness, maybe, kind of thing. Maybe there's something there. And then as you start to say, Lord, you know, show me what you want me to know. And he allows you to kind of, instead of seeing it in your peripheral vision, now you're like looking at it. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> there's something to be worked on there. And that's that's hard to do if you feel like your identity rests on your performance, you know, yeah. and you've got stuff you have to look at that doesn't look fantastic. But we need to, it's important to look at it, to genuinely look at it, not have it just be in the peripheral, but also to know that our identity isn't connected to that. Jesus has done the work where, you know, God sees the righteousness of Christ on us. This Mm. trait is so scandalous and amazing. So we can stand and look at the junk in our heart and in our life and the stuff that needs to be changed about who we are without shame. And then it's just this thing. And it's like, Lord, help me with this thing instead of it being me. Right. Yeah. And without the gospel, the good news of God's grace, it's it's impossible really to get completely honest with myself because I'll fall into despair. Mm-hmm. I will fall into despair if I don't know that 
Christ died for me and Christ loves me. We need the gospel to get super duper honest. Yeah, I wouldn't advise focusing in on the problem and looking really hard at the problem without looking really hard at Christ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's both are needed for us to move to the next, yeah. Yeah. next place. Yep. And the last thing from this passage in Ezekiel, you can look at it for yourself, Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. It just lifts me up is knowing that God has put his spirit in me. So I have real hope. I am fighting a battle with pride, but I also have the spirit. And because I have the spirit, I'm fighting a battle I can't Mm, lose. Come on. And it's the same for you in your struggle with sin. What hope do we have in our struggle with sin? We have the hope of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us from all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we have the hope of the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Jesus from the dead, at work in us, helping us win the battle against sin. Fighting a battle you can't lose with the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, God humbles the proud but gives grace to the humble. And also, go ahead. Yeah, I just, it it really jumped out at me right now when you said the words, you know, we're fighting a battle that we cannot lose. I think so often we just don't want to fight. You know, we just want to like, I just want God to do all the work and I just want to not have to put forth effort. And, And we do need to fight the battle. We do need to show up. We do need to be willing to do our part and we do, you know, the victory is won. We're not going to lose this one, but we do need to lean in and yeah. go for it. Yeah, we can't be passive. Right. We've got to, I guess for me, i got to come to the end of myself and my own strength I mean, and my own pride that I can do this. I'm going to get rid of this. Mm. And so it's coming to the end of myself, right? which is surrendering to God's grace, mm-hmm. surrendering my pride See, it's my pri- it comes back to my pride. My pride can get in the way of me changing because my pride will say, you can do it, Perry. But I guess I've failed enough times to realize I can't do it. Yeah, I'm just wondering what the fight looks like for you right now. Like, rely on Jesus. Rely wholly on Jesus. Throw yourself completely on Jesus. And then what is it that Jesus is saying, this is the next thing I want you to do? Is it to connect with Celebrate Recovery? Is it to speak out loud that you have this thing that you're stuck in? Like there's something for you to do in partnership with what God has done for you. There's a step for you to take and I just want to encourage you to step into it. Yeah. The Holy Spirit puts his finger on that thing. Mm-hmm. And right now you know what that thing is. And so may he give you insight for that next step. I want to do a little mind wrestling with you. Are you ready for it? Are mind you up for wrestling. it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into this. Okay. In Romans 12, verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he's challenging us. He's saying, let your mind be renewed. And I, I believe he's saying, you know, not just new thoughts, not just different thoughts, but like get God's thoughts into your brain. And if you if you can get God's thoughts into your brain, you can, you know, live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, which is what is verse one. But I got a question for you. How in the world are we supposed to get God's thoughts into our, 
our finite brains, right? Our small brains. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. So God's thoughts are so completely other than my thoughts. How in the world, literally, am I supposed to get God's thoughts on my mind and in my brain? And in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, he wrote, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. But if we keep going in Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians one twenty two, he also said that God has set his seal of ownership on us and put his Spirit in our hearts. So, We can know the mind of Christ. We can have the mind of Christ. We can know the thoughts of God because the Spirit of God, who knows the mind of God, lives in you and me. And actually, Paul went on to say in 2 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. We have the Spirit of God. We have the mind of Christ. And we have the thoughts of God written down for us to read. God in his goodness gave us his word. I am so passionate about being in the Word of God because it has radically transformed my life. Regularly getting God's thoughts into my brain, rewiring those neurological pathways, you know, because on my own, without God's thoughts, my pathways, my thoughts, my familiar patterns and ways of thinking are completely different from God's ways of thinking. And the only way to change that is to get God's thoughts into my brain, and that happens when we open up the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit realizes God's Word for us. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit helps us understand God's Word and helps us to not only understand God's Word, but then have the power to, to live out God's Word because it does transform us. This is a, this is a journey. We're on this journey And so we've got to keep putting God's word into our heart and saying, Holy Spirit, would you open my mind to understand the scriptures? Mm -hmm. You know, like Jesus on the road to Emmaus, he was talking to those dudes and they didn't know it was Jesus. And finally they knew it was Jesus. But there's a little phrase in there. It says, then he opened their minds Mm -hmm. to understand the scriptures. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And without that, the the word of God is is still the word of God, but it won't come alive to us. Mm Mm-hmm. The the Holy Spirit is the translator. So, you know, if you've maybe opened up scripture before and said, Shauna, I've tried to read my Bible. I just, I don't know. I just, I'm not vibing with it. it. I don't feel like it clicks. It's not, you know, I don't walk away from reading the Bible and go, wow, that was amazing. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a translator. So we can ask him, like dive into conversation with with the Lord and say, I'm about to read And will you please help me to understand, just help me to grab what you want me to know today out of the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit will do that for us. And as far as the getting the goosebumps thing, not every time you open up God's word, are you going to get the goosebumps and, and go, oh my goodness, you know, that was amazing. That was the, that was the most amazing thing I've ever read. I'm just, I don't want to set yourself up, set you up for expectation that it's going to be like that every time you open God's word. It's not, but just like every single meal isn't, you know, tacos with homemade guacamole. That would be like my absolute favorite meal, I think, you know? And and when I eat tacos and I get homemade guacamole and it's so good with the homemade chips, I'm just like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Sometimes I just have oatmeal 
and it's it's not all you know i'm not excited about it i don't get goosebumps but it does nourish me and sustain me for the work of the day sometimes we dive into god's word and we don't get all the goosebumps but we're still being nourished spiritually we're getting what we need and so I just encourage you to make a habit of getting into God's Word. It takes 25 to 30 days to create a habit. So why not? Why not make a habit of regularly opening up the Word of God and reading scriptures and being spiritually nourished? There are times when I'm in the Word and I'll go, wow. But that's rare. Mm-hmm. It's rare. I'll say, wow. So it's rare. But still, like you're saying, not going to always have the Wow. Lectio 365, I want to encourage you to get this app because it's about 10 minutes in the morning and it's it's filled with scripture and then 10 minutes, less than 10 minutes at night. So you can start the day and end your day with just, uh, you know, just thick amount of scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if you're afraid of doing it wrong, I think the only wrong wrong way to read scripture is if you're not getting it out of anything out of it, you might need to shake it up a little bit. You might need to do something different than what you're doing. You know, I, I would encourage you to take in all of scripture, like Old Testament, New Testament, journey through all of it, because all of it's so good for you. And that's going to take a little bit of time and maybe even some planning to see that you're going to get through all of the Bible. But there are there are one-year plans, there are two-year plans, there are three-year plans for reading scripture, and they're easy to find if you want help. I'd love to help you with this. And for me, getting into the Word has looked different in different seasons of life. There was a time when my kids were teenagers, and I had a devotional and a Bible that I kept in the door of my suburban, because so often I was sitting waiting for them to be finished with basketball practice or track practice or whatever, and it never got over exactly when it's supposed to get over. And I'd just be sitting in the car, and I found myself being really annoyed with the waiting until I had a Bible and a devotional there. And it was like, well, this is now time well spent. So you might need to get a little creative about it. Maybe even just listen to the audio Bible. If reading is a struggle for you, just bypass the reading part and let it, let it be spoken over you. Let it be read aloud to you. But I do just want to encourage you to, to dive into God's word. Let your mind be transformed. Because if you're going to transform your life, if you're going to change your life, You need to change your mind first. Let's fill our minds with scripture. Well, here's what I think. The Bible says so. I don't think that's a good answer to a tough question. The Bible says so. Mm. I believe the Bible is the answer, but I think we need to give answers to tough questions with gentleness, respect, and wisdom. Yeah. I was sitting next to a gay man a few years ago on a plane and he found out I was a Jesus follower and he very directly asked me, what do you think about same-sex relationships? And I tried to give a true and loving answer, but I was back on my heels a bit. Mm. And so I tried to give a good answer, but he just blew up and raged against me and (laughs) explained the type of person I was without knowing who I am and And so I just didn't go well. I wish I had seen the Tim Keller video that I saw on Sunday night before that conversation. Tim was asked very directly by a not-yet-believer, I think she is an attorney, what do Christians believe about homosexuality? And his answer was so good. And there are three points to it in a poem. No. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. What are the three points? I'm always up for learning from Timothy Keller. It's yeah. good stuff. Yeah, man. First, Jesus' followers are commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm-hmm. In other words, we need to seek the flourishing of people who disagree with us, who live very different from us. We're to live for the benefit of everyone in our community, not just believers. And if we think that we got to get our way here in West Michigan and we've got to push our stuff on people, then we're not, we're not seeking the flourishing of everyone. You know, when God's people were exiled to Babylon, the prophet Jeremiah said, seek the prosperity mm-hmm. of the people of Babylon. Seek their prosperity because mm-hmm. if they prosper, you will prosper. And we need God's wisdom to know how to love our neighbors well and to seek the flourishing of, of the people here in our world. Yeah, and the, the, the wanting people to flourish who are different from us is not just a same-sex conversation. It could be somebody of a different culture, somebody who speaks a different language. You know, I mean, it, we're different in a lot of different ways on purpose. We, God is creative, and we're all so unique. And some people do look radically different. Maybe, you know, you're a rock and roll kind of fella, and the next-door neighbor is more like your librarian kind of boogie kind of guy, you know, like what does it look like to love people that are different from us and to truly want what is best for them? Yeah. The rock and roll guy versus the nerd. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The second thing when it comes to this same sex conversation is that if we truly believe that if I truly believe I'm so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, and I'm so loved that Jesus died for me, there shouldn't be this sense of I'm better than you. There should be a deep humility as I rub shoulders with people who are not yet following Jesus. I think people can sense humility. They can also sense Mm self-righteousness. It's such a turnoff. Yeah. Self-righteousness is such a turnoff. And that's, again, not about the same-sex conversation either at all. Like any time... I'm in a conversation with someone and their orientation is demeaning or degrading. I, I am not open. Yeah. And I've had to repent of that many, many times of being that way. And then the third thing, Christians believe that God has given us his design for human flourishing and his design for sexuality. You know, the biblical ethic, the biblical sexual ethic is one man and one woman inside the covenant of marriage. If God is the the designer of sex who loves us with a passion we can't imagine, he sent his son for us and he, he wants the best for us, then any sex outside marriage is missing God's best. And I've missed God's best many times in my life, not with same sex, but in other ways, in my thoughts. And even as I was dating as a teenager, I missed God's best. And I didn't feel like I was flourishing at all. So this is my conviction. If I don't want the flourishing of everyone in my community, if I'm not deeply humbled by the gospel, then my words, any words I have to say about God's design for sex, I think will sound like, in Paul's words, a resounding gong Mm. or a clanging cymbal. And I was talking with my friend Rod yesterday And he said this about God's design for sex. You know, you can just put it out there. Here's God's design. 
I'm going to do my experiment and go with God's design. And you can do your experiment with what you think is the design for sex. And 30 years from now, let's just look at the results. Let's just see what it looks like. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.